Welcome to our Pini. This is Saratova Beth, Parsha Shlach. Here is the question. So in life, often, there can be one piece missing and everything changes. For instance, we know that if one chromosome is different in a child or in a fetus, then the, the person is born in a very different way. We also know that um, a, if there's one tile missing on a spaceship, as it was in the case of Ilan Ramon, um, the outcome of the of the journey was completely different, etc., etc. It's often if there's one tiny little piece that's changed or missing, the outcome is entirely, entirely different. Where does all that all that come from? And that's technologically or that's biologically. Where does it all come from? It, in a sense, you could say it comes from Parsha Shlach, because in Parsha Shlach, when Meishu Rabbeinu sent spies or men to spy out the land. There was one piece in the puzzle that we forgot or we weren't tuning into, and because of that, it changed the entire trajectory of Jewish history. So, what's the piece? So, that'll take five minutes to get to. Um, We'll see what what exactly the piece was. But what we get from that is make sure you have all the pieces in place. When you're looking at a dream, a vision of where you want to go, and it's a good dream or it's a good vision, and then you wonder why it didn't work, did you have all the pieces lined up? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. First check to make sure you have all the pieces lined up. And then, of course, Hashem has his own pieces, so we have to keep that in mind, but Let's make sure we lined up all our pieces. Okay, what does all that mean? That sounds really cryptic. So, um, one of the things is, um, this is a Parsha that's connected, the Tyrus Tyrus Achas, but there's something about unity, oneness. It's one Tyra, one Hashem, one etc. We're one with Hashem, all of this. But there's some, and, and every Parsha is sort of bringing us to, to understand the oneness of Hashem and the oneness of everything. But Parsha Shlach more so. Its main theme is one, Echad. Which is really strange because it's the Parsha of the Miraglim. Sending, of course, starting, of course, with them going to the land of Israel, the land of Canaan. Now, and of course, the story is, as we said, Hmm. We're going to be going to the land. Everyone sends, before they send the army, every nation sends spies to figure out which are the best routes, which are the strategic routes for the most strategically well-planned military operations, what, what is safe, what is not safe, what is smart, what is not smart. Everybody does it. We will do it too. And Maishu Rameinu looked at them as if to say, uh, what part of what I told you, did you forget? I'm going to, again, let's leave that out. I will leave that as a teaser. What part of everything that I told you, did you forget? You drew a very funny conclusion, you guys. Very strange conclusion. There's one piece of the puzzle that if you had that uppermost in your mind, you actually would never be asking for this. You wouldn't be asking for this. But... um Let's see if anybody can figure it out. What that piece was that we that we forgot. So Meishu Benu had to, you know, ask us, ask Hashem, should I send these the nation, the people, the Yidden want to send spies? That's 
insane. <laughs> it's beyond superfluous. It's crazy. Or it, it's totally superfluous. Should I do it? Hashem said, I'm not commanding you. It's up to you. That's the sikha we learned yesterday about how that's an important moment in history. And Maish Rabbeinu decided to yes, send. And that's what this sikha is about. Why he sent? What was going on? So that's where we start with the Parsha. They're chosen. These Miraglim are chosen. They go. They come to the land. They look around. They travel in a certain way. They come back and they speak to Maish and Aaron and they speak to the Jews. They didn't, the Bnei Yisrael. They tell them what they saw and everything that happened after that, including the punishment. So we were told, you're not going into the land. When they came back, we were supposed to, of course. It was an 11-day journey from um, from Chayrev to Eretz Yisrael, from, from Harsina to Eretz Yisrael. It would have taken 11 days. And the energy of 11 took us 40 years. That was, so to speak, the logical consequence of these spies coming back and saying, ain't going to work. Forget <laughs> it. It's not going to work. So I said, okay, we're not going to do it the 11-day way. We'll do it the 40-year way. And so, um, um, the end, and the end of the Parsha, the Parsha goes through a lot of things and then ends with Mitzvahs, which reminds us of the unity of all the Mitzvahs, etc. So, everything in Parsha is exact. We want to know the following. We have a Parsha. We have a Haftira. The Haftira always matches the Parsha because in the time of the Romans, when we were forbidden to read the Parsha, we were allowed to choose a Haftira, something from Nach. The choice was always done a Piruch HaKadosh, a theme, so to speak, that corresponded to the theme of the Parsha. So we always look for similarities between the Parsha and the Tyra because they're the same energy. Except a whole lot of things are different. And we want to figure out why. Both Parsha and Tyra are about sending spies, so to speak. Except, and here we're going to go through six differences between Maishabenu's men that he sent and Yeshua. When Maisha Benu sent them, it says, Shlach Lecha. Shlach Lecha. Meaning, there was no command. Hashem said to Maisha, you decide. According to your death. I will, I'm not commanding you. With Yehoshua, it was totally different. Surely Yehoshua didn't do just from his death. He was commanded. How do we know? Because obviously, after the whole mess that happened as a result of Meisher being sending spies with his dust, and Yeshua was spared, he did not fall into that same problem. There, there, the first time there was not a command of Hashem, then obviously Yeshua, who was a faithful student, would not repeat the same mistake. He wasn't going to, oh, well, you know, what part of Maishabenu, so to speak, 
mistake did you not learn from? It wasn't a mistake, but obviously, you know, we're not doing that one again. The only reason that Yahshua would do that one again, repeat it, and send spies himself 40 years later, is because there was a command. So Misha sent without a command. He was told, you decide on your own. Yeshua sent through a command. He was not supposed to make that decision. That's first difference. Second difference. Misha sent is the men. And what were the men sent to do? The Asuras Eretz Canaan. They were, men were sent by Misha Rabbeinu to tour the land of Canaan. Yeshua sent five. Anashim Maraglin. What were they sent to do? To spy out the land. Meshavim sent men to tour. Yeshua sent spies to spy out. Third difference. How many people were sent? Meshavim sent 12. Yeshua sent two. The other thing is, who were these men? Meshavim said, sent the cream of the crop. Everyone was a nasi, ahead of his shaver. Yeshua, we don't actually know who they were. They weren't two random people, but we don't know really. We had to find out through other sources, through the Farshim. doesn't say in the Chumash who they were. Two men. So again, not necessarily the top leaders. The top leaders were sent by Meishur. Yeshua sent two men. And two other ideas is, with Meisher Benu, it was a lot of fanfare. We knew about it. We asked for it. They were sent off with, you know, all the bells and whistles. They came back. Everybody knew about it. Everybody knew about it. When they came back, they said, okay, Yidin B'nai Yisrael, gather together. We're going to tell you what we saw. Everything was a, was a lot of publicity, the whole thing. Even when they were in the land of Canaan, they were very visible. They went as a group. How can you miss a group? A group of 12, you can't not see them. And Hashem had to make a special special miracle to keep the Canaan very occupied so they shouldn't be seen. Because they were very visible. So everything about Maishu Benu's men that he sent was high visibility. Yeshua, everything was low visibility. Miraglim Kharish, they were sent... First of all, the Yidin didn't know they were sent. B'nai Yisrael didn't know that anyone was being sent. B'nai Yisrael didn't know when they came back. Didn't know that it was happening. And in the land of Canaan, for sure, it was all done very quietly, so they shouldn't be detected. And um, when the two of, uh, of um, Yeshua, when the two of Yeshua went to the land, then they really had to be hot, hidden. The woman, Rachav, hid them, and she said, and she said, go here, hide in the mountains, wait three days. Everything was low publicity, invisible. By Meishur Bain, the men who came to Canaan were visible, visible, high visibility. By Yeshua, absolute low, zero visibility. No one knew, no one saw. And the last difference is, how far did they go? The, the, the men of Maisha, the Maragam of Maisha Benu, they went throughout the whole land, the, the whole width and breadth of the land. Arba Meis Parsa, Arba Meis Parsa, 
400 parts of this way, 400 parts of that way. They went all through the land. They put their feet for 40 days on every part of the land. Yeshua? They went, they came to the, the they came to the, the border of Israel, to Yericho. They went there, not even inside Yericho. They went to Rachel's house who was in the wall. Her house was, her house was in the wall of Yericho. So they actually only went to the wall surrounding Yericho and that's the key, that's the gate to the land. So they really were sort of on, they stayed, they stayed on the border the whole time and never left. They didn't even leave her house except to go back out of Israel. So they certainly didn't penetrate into Israel. They went literally to the border there, found out what they needed to find out, and then left. What is going on? And of course, this is all for us. The question to bring it back to us is, what piece of information did we forget? That one piece that changed the whole story. And in life, when we have a dream, we want to make sure not to leave out that piece of information because it will change everything. So, here's, here's, here's a beginning of the explanation. Maisha Benu and Yeshua had two completely different reasons to send these men, to send spies, to send Marazim. There are two reasons why you would send Marazim. One, every country does it. You're going to fight a war, you first send a group of spies to see, to check out the military strategy, which are the best ways to get in, which are the ways you should avoid. That's one reason to send spies. Here's another one. Um, you want to know what kind of a land you're going to. You understand? So, in other words, one reason to send spies is to figure out how to get into the land. The other reason to send spies is to figure out whether this land is worth getting into. Very simple. One is, how do you get into that place without them kicking you out? The other one is, you sure the, the place is worth getting into? Is it worth all the trouble? Those are two very different reasons. Yoshua sent them to find out how we get into this place. How do we get into Canaan? There, there were a whole lot of questions. And by the way, when they came to the wall, the outside border of Eretz Canaan, they came to Yericha and they came to the wall. And there's Rachel's house. And they went in her house. And that did. And then she lowered them down the wall. What did they come to find out? What's the best way? If you're a, a, a military strategist, what's the best way to conquer the land from these people? But one of the things you want to know is, are the people confident or not? Are, do, what kind of an attitude does the people have? It's, you can't just find out what the best roads are. You want to know what people are thinking in the land. Are they preparing for you? Are they not prepared? That's all part of the strategy, the military strategy. And what kind of people are these? What kind of a place is it? Which is why one of the reasons they were sent, the, the Maraglim, certainly of Meisherbein, were sent with three questions. Men, you have three questions. Come back with the answers. See the people. 
What size are they? What kind of people are there in Canaan? Question number one. What kind of people are they? Big, small, fearless, fearful. We need to know who we're dealing with. Two. You know, how much fear do they have? Are there walls around the cities? If they have walls around the cities, you know they're a little scared. They need to protect themselves against invaders. If they have no walls around the cities, these people have no fear. They don't even waste their time putting walls around their cities because they're so fearless. They're like, walls around our cities, what are we, cowards? We'll just squelch any enemies, any invaders. We'll just step right on them and get rid of them. You want to know, which kind of people are they? Scared or not scared? They need walls or protective walls or they don't. And the third question is, what does this land produce? You know, what kind of a place is it? Should, is it worth fighting for? How do you find that out? What do the fruits look like? Okay. Now, by the way, I'm just saying parenthetically, in any psychological situation, we do the same thing. Kind of go in, you know, it's like a shidduch. You go in with three questions. What kind of people are these? Big, small, confident, not confident. You know, what what kind of people are these? You want to figure out whether it's worth your while to go through this whole thing. You know, you want to be accepted for a high-level position in the company. Number one, you want to figure out what kind of company, who works there? What are the people like? What is the boss like? What's the company like? Number two, are they on the defense or the offense? You know, are they, they people who are creating and doing or are they busy defending themselves and they're always worried about me, uh, you know, they're always on the defensive. You want to know that. And the third thing is, you know, what's the what does this place produce? These are three questions we ask ourselves. And Do I want to work in this place? What does it produce? Creative work, boring work, in the box, out of the box? The people, are they always defensive? Whatever you say, they're always defensive. Or are these like open, creative people that they're not thinking about protecting themselves all the time? And also, like, are these big people or small? Are these big-minded people or small-minded people? You know, do they have big ideas that they, they have the groundedness and the confidence to stand behind and put into action? Or are there some talkers? That, and they're very small-minded, and they're always trying to protect their their own position. We always want to know these three things. So that mission we were given by Maishra Benu, we do it every single day in life, all the time. So that's what Maishra Benu said. And Yeshua, 40 years later, said, well, we need to know what the place is what the place is like. We need to know how to get in. Okay. So there's a whole other reason. So again, we're like we're trying to figure out is this worth place worth invading? Can we invade it? Will they defeat us? What's gonna be? The other reason that you're going to send spies is as we said, you want to know is this a good place to enter, to take over? Is it a good place? Is it worth it? So Maishra Benu, with his own das, 
sent spies not to figure out how to conquer the land. We first have to know if it's worth conquering. You don't have to know the best roads to go in and out, the mindset of the people. We want to know, is it worth it? Is it a good land? Let's say it's easy to get into. Let's say we just somehow, you know, penetrate the borders, we flow right in, take over the cities. Was it worth it? Is it a good place? That was the job of my Bingo and his generation. Figure out, is this a good place? And the job of Yeshua is not to figure out if this is a good place. By that time, we were like, please let us in. Whether it's a good place or not, we want to go. We don't have any other place to go. After 40 years in the Midbar, nobody was wondering, should we go into Eretz Yisrael? What should we do? Wander for another 40 years or forever. Go back to Mitzrayim? That was 40 years ago. We don't fit anymore. Can't go back into the womb. There's only one place to go. Forward into Eretz Yisrael. Kind of like we're up to right now. There's no place to go other than forward into Yemais and Mashiach. Not going back. We're not throwing away our phones and our computers and going back to live in a little moshav where nobody has, uh, you know, Wi-Fi. And it's not happening. Those days are over. We're moving forward into something bigger. We have to know how to do it well, elegantly, seamlessly, in a holy way, in a powerful way. We need to conquer the land. In our case, we need to conquer the world and know the best way to conquer the world and enter the world with the holiness, with the light of Mashiach. That's our job. We are penetrating the world with the light of Mashiach and we need to figure out the best ways to do it. Who did that first? Who started that? Yahushua. So, what was Meisher Benu? Why did he need to know? Why do we need to know if it was a good land? Here's the point. So now we'll say that, that little teaser that we left out. There's a little piece of information that probably Meisher Benu looked at us perplexed when we said, we need to send five. We need to send five. We need to send five. And Meisher Benu probably looked at us as if to say, Wait a minute. Hey, guys. Spies are for people who have to conquer the land themselves with their army. You guys don't. Before I, I say it directly, let's let's um, let's take a parallel. I'm the daughter of the Queen of England. Yeah. So one day, the Queen of Somebody says in the palace, um, oh, wow, the bathrooms are really filthy here. So I say, okay, okay, I'm so sorry, I, I didn't get to it. And they say, excuse me? <laughs> You're the princess. You you have other things to do. You're not, you know, you're not here to clean the bathrooms. Somebody else will do that. You're, you're here to do the stuff that princesses do. Oh, sorry, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. Got to know what if somebody else is doing that, or let's say I'm in a certain line of work. I don't do the tech tech stuff or the publicity. I'm the CEO of I don't want to say Microsoft. 
I don't do the tech stuff myself. Somebody else does it. Right? I don't do the payroll. Somebody else does it. I do my part. They do their part. Shem is saying, wait a minute. Remember, guys, I said to you, you're not actually going to fight a war to get into Eretz Yisrael. Remember that? And remember that basically I was telling you, so who's going to fight the war? Oh, yeah? Yeah. How are you going to get into a land? Hashem's going to fight for you. Yeah? Yeah? What does that mean? What do you mean? What does that mean? It means you show up and Hashem will take care of the whole thing. It's on you. Quite honestly, when you pay $20,000 for a cruise in the Bahamas, you don't actually make breakfast for everybody on the, on the ship. Somebody else does it. You paid all that money to be served breakfast. In this case, Vaishra Bini said, Hashem told you, he will fight the war. You will trust him, work with him. You, you have a big job, which is trusting Hashem, which is not a simple job. And he will fight the war. He will open the door and let you in. You're not doing that part. So for you to figure out which way is the best way to get in, that's not what you're here to do. You know, sometimes we often get involved in other people's problems, like they should do this and they should do that. Like, number one, they didn't ask me. Number two, what does it have to do with me? Number three, it's, it's a waste of my energy to figure out what they should be thinking this and they should be thinking that and they should be doing this and that because I'm not the one who's making the decision. So simply a waste of my time. Plus, and they'll be resentful that I'm getting involved in their business. So, in this case, Hashem said, I, it's on me. You show up to the border of Eretz Yisrael. I get you in. I fight the war. For you to send military strategists is just plain dumb. Plus superfluous. Plus it's showing you, it's showing me that you didn't hear a thing I said. Why in the world are you sending military strategists? I'm the military strategist. I'm doing the job. It's on me. This is a paid-for cruise. Why are you, what are you, what, what are you guys thinking? Now that piece, if we had remembered that piece or tuned into that piece, doesn't take much to remember it. It's a pretty big piece. For some reason we like forgot or, or I don't know what and changed everything. We're still in Gullahs because of that little piece. All we needed to do was remember, wait a minute. Oh, Hashem is fighting for us. We don't need... Right. That's the piece. So in life, we always want to remember. I have a vision. I have a goal. If my, whole, if my goal is a holy and my vision is holy and good, approved, divine approval, so to speak, you know, it's like, you have a bracha from the Rebbe. You, like, Hashem says, do this. It's clear that this is something good to do. Then, why am I doing somebody else's job? That's the piece I need to remember. For instance, now, we know, we have a haida. We're going into the Mike Mashiach. So we know the last page of the book. And they went into Eretz and the Geula Mitzvah Shlema started, and everybody lived forever 
bringing the world to the consciousness of Hashem HaChad That's the last page in the story for every single year. So in a way, we're being told through Parsha Shlach, don't forget it at any given moment when you're figuring out what to do in life. Because if you forget it, you're going to make entirely different decisions that are completely off the wall decisions. And if you remember it, your decision will be in sync with the master plan. Otherwise, you'll be totally out of sync with the master plan and walking backwards and in circles, which we all tend to do. So, Maisha Benu understood this. And he said, we've got a little issue here. The Yidden, if they came to me and said, let's send military spies, like, oh my goodness, they totally forgot that crucial piece. They forgot that they're the kings and queens. They think they're the cleaning ladies. They think they're the drivers. They think they're the tech people. They think, no, they're the kings and queens. Queen Elizabeth does not actually make her own website or whatever. Right? She, she doesn't do it. She's not, she's not super into like, oh my goodness. I better clean the bathroom before Shabbos. I got to get things. She doesn't do that. Like the kitchen is a wreck. I've got to clean up the kitchen. She doesn't do that. She does other stuff. So, like, what am I going to vacuum already? I, I, oh my goodness! It's been uh, it's been three days since I vacuumed. She she probably doesn't vacuum. So queens don't vacuum. So so that was the thing. Queens and kings don't vacuum. Just remember it. Because as long as I'm vacuuming, I, then I'm not actually doing the things that need to be done by that only kings and queens can do. Because I'm busy vacuuming and washing the floor and all that other stuff. And then they say, well, nobody did a king and queen job. Because I know I'm so busy with the vacuuming, washing the floor, doing the bathroom. I just never, I just didn't have the time to do it. He said, well, we had somebody paid, very competent to do this. You were supposed to do the king and queen stuff. So that's us today. So Maisha Danu realized this is where this is where the little um, breakdown is. So he said, all right, I'll tell you what we have to do. We have to get the Yidden in the mood to go into the land. That seems to be where it broke down. You know, how how did this happen? It's like passive, what's passive aggressive resistance? What do you mean? What does it take to room? You're not doing much anyway in the midbar. You're sitting learning Tyra a whole day. Um, you just had Mazen Tyra. Right? You're not doing the bookkeeping. You're not doing laundry. How, like, how, that you forget this big piece of information? So obviously, we call it in the psychology field, reverse polarity. You know, like, um, Kind of secondary game, secondary game. Kind of like they had a reason why they conveniently forgot that Hashem was going to get us in. How do you conveniently forget? When sort of subconsciously you don't want to go. You don't really want to go. So somehow you, oh my goodness, I just forgot I was so busy. I just couldn't remember a thing. I was so busy doing the vacuuming and the laundry that there's no laundry and the vacuuming there are no carpets in the midbar. You didn't want to go. So you can be in the, I just didn't have the time to go. You forgot. So, 
So, so this idea of community, they didn't want to go. So Moshe Bain said, okay, we don't have to, we don't have a memory issue. We don't have to feed them with a whole bunch of whatever you use, blueberries for memory. We have a, an inner motivation issue going on here. Maybe, I guess they're not into it. They don't want to go. So Moshe Bain said, let's do something to arouse their appetite to go into the land of Israel. Okay. So what are you going to do? Well, send people who will come back with a good report. And so, um, and how do you know? Um, because um, so the words we see of, of the whole process of Maishur being, it says like this, again, um, when they were sent, it says, they were sent to tour the land, to see the land, to see the goodness of the land, to see its mileage, to see its qualities, to see all the good stuff. Why? As it says, you want to see Again, the people, the land, etc. You want to see the fruit? Why? You want to see the goodness? So that you will go back and you will be so excited about what you've seen that you will inspire all the B'nai Yisrael to say, let's go now, go, go, go. You want to go? We see the word Vayasuru. Mean Yitran. Hashem wanted us to see the Yitran, the advantage of the land. And again, we're going to look in a few minutes at those questions. What are the people like? What are the fruits like? Etc. But the fact is, this shlichus, to see the goodness of the land, was fulfilled. Look at this statement. It's very revolutionary. This shlichus, to see the goodness of the land, was fulfilled completely through the Miragim. Where do you see it? Banu they said, we came to the land, and it's a land of milk and honey, and these are the fruits. They just added a few more words that kind of messed things up. But basically, they came back giving good good news. We went to the land, and it's a place of milk and honey. They also said, okay, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to conquer these people. But, they say, this wrecked off the second half of the sentence. Just don't say that part. Just say we saw the land as a place of milk and honey, and these are the fruits. Don't say the other part. Don't add your little piece. Don't add your little piece. If they had not added that little piece, we all would have gone into the land of Israel with joy. Imagine that. And the Muradim of Yeshua, they were not sent to see the good qualities of the land. We already knew. That was done 40 years before by Maishur Benu's men. We already knew it is what it is. It's good, but we messed up. We missed our chance. So now 40 years later, the shlukas is to actually conquer this land. <clears throat> it has to be now in a way of nature, through the laws of nature. It's no longer going to be you show up and Hashem will fight for you. That one's done. You weren't on the level where you were ready for it. Now you're going to have to fight the war. So send spies. 
You need to you need to depend on the laws of nature now, including sending Naraplan. So to pull all this together, because we're going to do this in, I guess, two parts, to pull all this together, when we think about those weird guys, those <laughs> those spies that went to the land of Canaan that Meisher Benu sent, you know, what were, what, what were they thinking? Didn't they? They were the heads. They were the heads of state. They were the big guys. They were the mashpim. They were the leaders, the rabbis, the... What were they thinking? Come on, we know it. We read the parsha. Didn't they read the parsha? You know the famous story about when when Moldavich Rebbe was a young child, he was in Cheder, and every year the Rebbe would tell the story of Yosef being sold by his brothers. And one year, when he was about to be sold, one little boy stood up and he started to scream because it was so real. The parsha. He said, "Yosef, don't go. You don't know what they're going to do to you. Don't go. Don't go." Because he already knew the story. So, didn't the Marazim read the Parsha? You know, didn't they know the story? How did they fall into the pit? Same question, you know, how do we fall into the pit? But we want to pull it together with, with this, this powerful point. We needed to be sent. We needed to go to develop, to be, to develop an appetite to go into the land of Israel. We were already told, this is it. Hashem will fight for you. Maishu this time. Hashem will fight for you. This is a fait accompli. This is a done deal. You have nothing to worry about. It may not look to your visible eyes very smooth, but you need to train your mind, your re'iya of kedusha, your vision, your holy vision, that's what do you, whatever you want to call it, your, your subconscious, your soul is already trained. Your neshama is already trained. Your neshama already sees the truth. In life, we have a psycholog- psychological challenge. We have our neshama that sees the truth clearly. We have our brain that um, uh, takes in a lot of information every single day from the news, from the media, from the world, from other people, from the actual, actual very challenging things in life that we see, from everything looking like it's going backwards. So imagine, you've got two totally different realities going on in you. Your soul sees the truth. Your mind, depending on how filled it is with similar type of stuff, or how much it's filled with dark negativity will either sync up with your soul, with the vision of your soul, or else it will challenge it. You'll either have two, you'll either have two realities going on in this, in one person. That's, mo- that's most of us. That's almost all of us. My soul sees the truth. If I were there at the time of Maishur Benus, my soul, every single Jew there, every single one of us there at that time, our soul knew the truth. The vision that the, the Neshama saw was very clear. Hashem told us, he's fighting for us, we just show up. That one was very clear. When it filters down from your soul to your mind, now what kind of stuff has been 
is your mind filtered with. You've got a computer in your mind. Your mind is like a computer. You fill it with a lot of stuff. Good, bad, ugly, all kinds of stuff. So is your mind going to fight it? Fight what your soul knows? Or is it going to say, is it, is it going to, are you going to use your mind to contradict and argue with your, your neshama, with your soul's vision? Or are you, you going to use your mind to reinforce your soul's vision? Not a simple question. Most of us have lots and lots and lots of moments when we actually use our mind with the help of social media and NBC, CBS, and all of that other stuff and the New York Times online. Thank you very much. That stuff is designed to fill our minds, the computer of our minds, with a vision that contradicts what our neshama sees. Our soul, our neshama sees pure truth. The media and the world have been created to, to fill our minds with the exact opposite. And then they fight it out. What my mind knows, says, and sees, and the way my mind interprets things. And by the way, my heart gets involved in this because I may see certain things and hear it. But if my heart has been hurt by trauma, disappointment, all kinds of experiences, my heart will then, you know, jump on the bandwagon of either one. If I trust the people who have taught me what my neshama says, I'm more likely to trust what my soul says, tells me. Because the people who have taught it to me, I trust them. So my heart is, in, my heart is there helping me. If I've been hurt, God forbid, by the people who taught me what my soul is telling me, I'm actually going to distrust it. So I'll have something, this is a whole younger generation. My neshama, my soul, says one thing. My heart says baloney because it's been hurt. And I, I felt I was betrayed. And so, and my mind says, look at all the garbage. Look at, look, look at what the world is saying. Come on. What this, this, this Pollyanna vision you have in your soul. Bleh. And so I've got, I've got the two of them fighting it out. What is my mind in, what, what's the info in my mind? What is, what is the picture in my, in my soul, in my neshama? And my heart will work in either way. It's either going to work for, against my soul and my neshama or for it. That's one of the reasons, you know, when the Lubavitcher says, for instance, kids should go to overnight summer camp if, in theory, it's a good experience and a clean, holy experience then the fun of going on the water slide and going on the, you know, the, to the amusement park and doing all that sports and whatever it is, the fun and color war and all that gets your heart to help out the message in your neshama, in your soul. If you have a bad time, it gets your, whole, your heart to say, ah, garbage, what my neshama says. So you've got your heart working either way. You've got your emotions and your experiences and your traumas and 
your memories working, you know, either for your neshama or against it, either for holiness or against it. And then the big factor is what have we filled our minds with? What's in that computer? If I wake up every morning and I've, I've watched it, I see the people who, I see the people who have the strangest hushkafas, the strangest ideas, and I wonder how do they live in this community with these these strange ideas? So I've, I started I started interviewing people. I asked them, "Do you read the New York Times online on your phone every morning when you wake up?" They say, "Yes, I do." Well, there you go. Number one, you're being brainwashed with data and filling the computer of your mind with um, not necessarily true data. Let's just say that gently. And it's being and it's going in in a way of of of, of deeply uh, meditative experience. Let's just say because the the frequency of reading it's one thing to read it in a newspaper like the olden days, but reading it online it. Bing, 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 bing. There's a certain hypnotic wave that goes along with it. So whatever they, nonsense they tell you, you tend to believe, and it becomes very emotionally compelling. You know, you're like, you'll stand behind it. You'll have a hundred people arguing, like, well, how do you believe that nonsense? But somehow, like, they got to you. You know, all you have to do is read the New York Times online every morning. <laughs> you're going to have strange hushkafas. Or if not, you're going to have quite a battle going on in, with internally. Because they're there to teach you the opposite of what your neshama is telling you. Your neshama is telling you, this is it, Mashiach, we're going into your Mashiach. The New York Times ain't telling you that. That's for sure. <laughs> Etc. Your neshama is telling you, Hashem Echad the New York Times ain't telling you that. New way in Jose. No way, Jose. So, this was the challenge. Maishu Rabbeinu saw that the Yidden knew, their Neshamas knew. Hashem said, I'm taking care of the whole thing. You show up there. It's Canaan. I take care of it. That's it. I take care of it. So, Hashem so, the point was, we left out that piece of information. We needed to remember that piece changes everything. And Maishar Benu understood. We had a psychological conflict, excuse me, set up. We knew, hey, we, we had to be, we had to have our hearts aroused with a tremendous desire to live in that land. Right now we're like, I don't know, should we, shouldn't we? He said this, they said that, we saw this, I don't know. Forget it. Forget it with ketchup. We needed something to click in our hearts. We needed to see the goodness of the land. We needed our representatives to go there and see the goodness of the land and come back in the lushing of the world pumped up excited and say, wow, that's an amazing place. That place produces giants. We're going to be giants. It produces giant fruit. Life will be amazing. It's a place that produces fearless people. We will become fearless. That's our land. 
Let's just go. We needed our appetite, our appetite woken up for our land. And therefore, Meisher Benu said, I send these spies. Let's wake up your appetite. And in addition, to end it all off, Meisher Benu says, when there's a crucial piece to the puzzle, the main core piece that Hashem is telling you, don't forget it. And don't get distracted. Keep that core. And do keep that core. When Hashem said, I am taking you into the land of Israel, or now Hashem says, I am taking you into Geula Mitzvah Shleimah, Yemaisa Mashiach. Don't forget it. And anything that's going to dilute your desire for it, throw it away. Throw away your phone in the morning. Throw away the New York Times. They're here to dilute your dreams. They're here to dilute the truth. They're here to dilute your, all the social media and all that garbage. They're here to dilute your connection to what your soul sees. They don't want you to get there. They're here to dilute your power and your leadership. And so, says Maishra Bing, let's not forget the truth. Let's not forget the promise. This promise does not end. This promise doesn't change. We change. The promise doesn't change. Let's keep it in mind. So when we stand at this moment, when it's really tough and it's really dark and it's really challenging, we want to have the promise that and the vision that our neshama sees, which is, bing, 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 bing. We're going in. He needs a Mashiach We're going into the Mashiach. And that's why send men to see it. Send people to see the goodness. Where do we go now? The shlach now is send your mind into the sikhas and the maimarim. Send your mind deeply into Tyra. Because there you see the truth. There you taste the fruits of the geula. There you taste the fruits of the land. There you develop inside the sikhas and the maimarim, inside of Tyra. You develop the appetite. You send those men, so to speak, into the land, into the land of Tyre to develop and develop and bring back to you the appetite to enter the Geula Mitzvah So we say, Hashem, give us the appetite, give us the Geula, give us the desire, give us the heart, give us the take away all our traumas, take away all our disappointments and our hurts and our betrayals and all that stuff. Clean our minds up with pure, clean truth. Get rid of the New York Times. Talk about a business, etc. Or, or get them on the right side and bring us the Gula Mitzvah and we'll stand with you as you fight the battle to get us in there immediately now.